and welcome to Writing the Coast. I'm your host, Megan Cole, and Writing the Coast is the official podcast of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes. On Writing the Coast, you'll hear conversations with the winners and finalists of the annual BC and Yukon Book Prizes, as well as interviews with book lovers from across the province and territory. My guest for this episode is Billy Ray Belcourt. Billy Ray's debut novel, A Minor Chorus, won the 2023 Ethel Wilson Fiction Prize. On this episode, Billy Ray talks about the challenges he faced when it came to dealing with the novel as a form. He also talks about where he finds joy in writing. Billy Ray starts our conversation with a reading from A Minor Chorus. I'm just going to read from the start of the novel, the first chapter, titled A Problem of Form. It was a late afternoon at the start of August when I went to the university to meet up with River, a dear friend and graduate student in the Department of Sociology who hailed from a reserve to the South to make sense of the desire to remake my life. I wanted to leave academia. This thought which wasn't so much intrusive as it was a response to an ongoing crisis of creativity permeated my days. I was waiting in front of one of the oldest buildings on campus, a neoclassical hallmark of the humanities quad called Old Arts. The entrance was replete with tributes to the architecture of antiquity. On either side of the steps were pillars and above each of those were another pair. Foliage sprawled across the facade, illuminating rather than obscuring the ornate brickwork. Because it was outside the normal academic year, there was no one else around me. The effect of all of this was that in my Cree body in the 21st century, I was a a historical anomaly. On this day, I was fine with projecting my feelings of alienation onto what was so clearly a product of a longing for a heroic white past, however mythological. In fact, it felt rebellious to do so. It wasn't that I had been wronged by the university per se, rather something inside me shifted in the last year, such that I was no longer moved to play by its rules. I was meant to be writing a dissertation, but what the sentences I'd been compiling in a document really added up to was a depression diary or a lover's discourse. I'd been writing about the politics of race and sadness, yes, but most days this research topic was more accurately a kind of self-directed behavioral therapy. I'd been experiencing life as a problem of form. It is difficult to live in a world that corrodes freedom. The shape of my days was fuzzy, imprecise. My body took on that fuzziness. I wanted to take a sledgehammer to the past to let in the shimmer of a light I didn't know was there all along. It seemed unavoidable that I now wanted my writing not to advance an institutional body of knowledge, as is the case with a dissertation, but instead to invent an exit route, to make something out of nothing, to prop up a landmark for a place that was nowhere and everywhere. At first, I assumed that because I felt both uprooted and stuck, I was going through a more acute depressive episode than usual. But I realized that I had been overtaken by new ambitions, a more consuming kind of hunger, a hunger for another way of being in the world. I couldn't unsee everything my gut told me I was missing out on. It was still summer nonetheless, and there was still the greenery, which was so lush and overwhelming it was something of an argument for optimism. 
a reminder that I had to be alert to the beauty in excess, the beauty in things that quietly endured despite their unbeautiful contexts. If I admired my own abundances, my own little rebellions against subjugation, I reasoned, I could learn to be as alive as possible. It seemed silly I hadn't come to this conclusion sooner. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so my first question for you is, who are you? So I'm Billy Ray Belcourt. I'm from the Driftpaw Cree Nation in Northwest Alberta. I have been living in Vancouver on the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh since the fall of 2019. And I teach poetry and Indigenous writing at uh, UBC. So um, I've had, I've talked to you, I think, was it last year for, or two years ago now, for um, A History of My Brief Body? And this is your first novel. And mm -hmm. a lot of folks know you from your poetry and from that, that memoir. But what was it like for you to take on fiction and the novel in particular? And the novel is, in a sense, about taking on a novel. Exactly. So I had finished working on the memoir, History of My Brief Body. And after that, I felt kind of creatively stuck or stagnant. And I was still in graduate school, but finished coursework and mostly done with my own dissertation. And I had a pestering sense of alienation or estrangement from my own academic labor. And I thought one day randomly, you know, why not start there? Why not write a novel about that feeling of estrangement? And this was after a year of trying to figure out how to write a novel and mostly failing to do so. And it, it occurred to me that I had to begin with my own circumstances of living, not with invented ones. And so I was able to use the skeleton of my life, so to speak, as the narrative infrastructure for a novel into which I could insert invented people and lives and so on. I mean, it, what's so interesting about the novel is that it's got such a history and a legacy behind it. And in some sense, there have been certain expectations placed on that form because of that history and that legacy. So what challenges did you deal with coming into the novel because of those expectations? And how did you work with and around them? I did feel a lot of anxiety about the history of the novel, partly because I hadn't closely studied it in the way I felt I had been closely studying poetry. And so I felt at a distance from that history and how I confronted or worked through my own anxieties was by simply reading a lot of novels and trying to read across decades and, you know, um, into the 19th century, though I mostly um, stayed away <laughs> from that century. Um, I wanted to be sure that I had at least a decent sense of those expectations, or the expectations that readers would bring to a novel. 
but I also, I think, more urgently wanted to figure out how I could intervene and carve up my own space. And what I realized is that contemporary writers especially have already been carving out that space to, to write novels that go against the grain of their own history. And I simply aligned myself with those writers. So those are people like Rachel Cusk and Ben Lerner, um, indigenous writers, you know, for whom the novel is a technology of community rather than of the individual. And so in a way I had to free myself, I think, from those cultural expectations. Yeah, it feels like it were, um, we're at a time where hopefully we're moving away from those expectations of the, that have been placed on the novel, like, especially around like things like structure and, mm -hmm. um, those engines that have traditionally driven a novel forward, it seems like maybe we're leaving them behind and being open to the possibilities that it can become. Yeah, it reminds me of one interview where someone pointed out that my novel did not have any of the conventional elements of fiction in it. <laughs> like it didn't, you know, reproduce those elements. And I mean, that's probably because I, I never felt allegiant to that way of thinking about novel writing but also because I, I agree that we're at a time when the norms around craft are shifting and being reinvented and i think um there's still room for people to 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 write quote-unquote conventional novels and some some of them some of the most really interesting ones are the ones that um find quiet ways to 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 remake the the logics and the rhythms of the novel. I think of like Brandon Taylor's work who I would, you know, I, I think he sees himself as a part of, you know, a, a 19th century tradition um, that is meticulously remade. It's interesting too with, with your work because in some ways, I see them like it is like nesting dolls or something. Like I, as I was spending time with a minor chorus, I was kind of feeling like it was a sibling or something to a history of my brief body. It felt like in some ways it was a continuation of a conversation I'd already had with you in the previous book. How do you feel about those connections between the book? Was that something you were consciously looking at? Or did it just feel like because you lived in that project for so long, those things were, of course, still a part of you? If I remember correctly, I started writing a minor chorus almost immediately after finishing A History of My Brief Body. And I've said in the past that I turned to the novel because I wanted to say things I felt I couldn't say in the memoir because sometimes it is it is difficult to be as honest as you need to be. <laughs> and so the novel let me, you know, be honest in a different way. And, you know, to write about invented lives with the honesty I felt I couldn't write about, even my own life. Um, so it makes sense to me that readers 
the resonances and connective tissues between those two projects because I think they're ultimately about Northern Alberta, both those books, and just, you know, from different angles. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the significance of place and spaces in this book, because, mm -hmm. you know, as a novel, you can, of course, situate the book wherever you want. And but the, the places and the spaces, uh, such as private property and the colonial construction of Canada, uh, those things are so integral to the telling of this story that you could never set this book anywhere but northern Alberta. Could you talk more about the essentialness of the, the setting and spaces in this book and, and why they were so significant to the telling of the story? Yeah, at the time I was working on my memoir, it occurred to me that there was very little literature about and from northern Alberta. And what did existed was in the vein of anthropology or like, you know, you know, early settlement era um, settler writing. And so I felt a renewed urgency about the work I wanted to do because I think that Northern Alberta is a place where so many of the logics of colonialism operate both historically and into the present and i think if we look closely both carefully and critically at how people live their lives in a place like northern alberta we can see you know the the, the textures of history still being you know embedded into various communities and i still find myself writing about northern alberta i think i remember i was talking to my agent about how i felt like i that's all i could do <laughs> and i was you know I, I was a little worried about that and then you know he had the analogy of like you know um alice monroe wrote about you know her small pocket of southern ontario her whole career and i mean totally different people and writers and careers but that, that did give me a little bit of um hope and assuage some of my concerns because you know i think for me at least the writing i feel is most impactful and um, well crafted is writing about the things i know deeply yeah and I, I think it's so like what you're saying about, um, you know, writing coming out of places like Northern Alberta. I think for us on the West Coast, and I would imagine it's similar out in Central Canada and the Maritimes, we don't hear those stories and those voices and that writing very much. I, I'm doing a lot of research on Saskatchewan right now, and it's similarly, mm -hmm. it's a, it's there are stories we don't hear. I remember reading storying violence. Um, by Gina Star Starblanket and Dallas Hunt and being like, I think everyone in BC needs to read this book because I think it, there are so many histories and stories that we don't know because they those stories aren't being told and those places aren't being represented in the work we're reading. Yeah, I think ironically, we think we already know 
everything that needs to be known about places like Alberta and Saskatchewan, the prairies more generally, because they occupy a specific position in the public imagination as, as being conservative, um, you know, tied to specific industries, cold, <laughs> and we, you know, but, you know, those, those are, those are, those are only part of a larger narrative fabric. I think it's important to tell stories from those places about indigenous agency and, and queer life and so on. These stories that, you know, go against the, you know, public knowledge about what those places are like. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to talk a little bit about autofiction. Um, it's something that's being, again, in the world of the novel, is being talked about more and more. Um, and, of course, a minor chorus is being connected to that genre. How do you feel about the relationship of the book to that term? And how do you feel about this genre generally? It feels like a new genre, but as if it's a new genre. I'm sure people have been writing autofiction for as long as there's been a novel. Yeah, I think so too. But I, I think there's a, a recent resurgence of it that has taken a specific form in response to probably historical, social, political circumstances. I'm, I'm not a literary historian, so I don't know the nitty gritties of that argument. But I will say for myself, I am fine with applying the term autofiction to a minor course to this novel because as as i said already i i um imbued the novel with you know the emotional and biographical details of my own life and of my community i don't think i would call it an autobiographical novel though because it really is essentially entirely fictional but what a attracts me to autofiction is that it necessarily blurs the line between fiction and nonfiction, the real, the invented. And that's an interesting place to write from to me, because I think that we all live at the intersection between the real and the invented that all of our lives are both true and false. Um, and so to be to begin there in the space of the novel, I felt was to, to begin from an authentic place. Yeah. I wanted to ask you to expand a little bit on, um, because in the book we see the protagonist often dealing with what is unwritable, what is unsayable. Um, and and living in those two worlds, uh, and you you mentioned that the novel felt like a place where you could say what was unsayable in uh, history of my brief body, and I I wondered if you could talk more about that in the places that you felt silenced and the way that the novel opened that up for you. I think at the time I had some concerns about general discourse about indigenous life how we've been constructed as either deficient and and in agony or ultra resilient and i felt that 
you know, my story, my community's stories complicated that binary. And obviously that's an unworkable binary and everyone, you know, is situated in the, in the, in the middle in sort of some intermediary space. And I ultimately felt that a novel could hold, you know, the complicatedness of contemporary indigenous life. And it didn't mean that I had to soften the truth or, or circumvent what I want to say, partly because the people who, you know, I populated the novel with don't actually exist. And so um, that allowed me, I think, to, to modify the rules that apply in real life. Yeah. And I suppose that's one of the, the most potent affordances of fiction generally is that um, you're not always beholden to the, to the rules that you play by yourself in everyday life. I wanted to ask you a little bit about joy, particularly finding joy in the practice of writing, um, because as a, a writer who publishes and um, gets recognized for awards and all those things, um, you are constantly dealing kind of with the capitalization of a creative product and mm -hmm. um, something that is deeply personal, and it can feel hard to maintain the joy when it's being commodified. Um, so how do you continue to find joy in writing? I think for me, the joy in writing comes when I really work through some kind of problem. That's the thing about, <laughs> about writing fiction, especially is that I think I've seen someone say that you essentially give yourself a problem to work through. Um, and there's a kind of pleasure that comes from working through those problems or at least feeling for a fleeting moment that you have. Um, I think there's also the joy of connection, both with readers and with other writers. I often, when I'm writing, feel like I'm in conversation with other writers, writers I haven't even met but whose books have moved me and that I continue to think about. Because obviously writing is irreducibly social. It's something that we do in concert with others. And the, that, that social aspect brings, brings pleasure for me. That was Billy Ray Belcourt. Billy Ray's novel, A Minor Chorus, won the 2023 Ethel Wilson Fiction Prize. If you would like to find out more about the BC and Yukon Book Prizes, visit our website at bcyukonbookprizes.com. You can also find us on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening to Writing the Coast.